0: Welcome to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, also known as Sabermetrics, I guess, so that iTunes will let us be on their platform, (laughs) fucking cowards. Uh, My name's Sierra, my pronouns are she, her.
1: Uh, I'm Dustin, my pronouns are he, they.
0: Um, This podcast is a critical examination of the, uh, critical and sincere examination of the Fate series, starting with Fate Stay Night. And this week we are talking about days 12 to 14 of the Unlimited Blade Works Is Is that right? 12 to 14?
1: Yep, you got it. Fuck Um, yeah, I'm a genius. There's gonna be a lot of tonal shifts.
0: Ah, yeah. Mm. I'm gonna be real here. There's like two big tonal shifts for me here, uh, which is dire and then, you know, kind of Sweet amid this nihilistic direness, uh, and then dire again.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> the, day 12. <laughs> day
0: 12's fucking rough, man!
1: So, day 12 starts with Caster doing lesbian BDSM on Saber.
0: Okay. That's how it opens. So, I, I, I have to be honest here. I was. Frankly, disappointed by the coward Nasu's inability to actually put anything in his porn novel that was actually porn here.
1: <laughs> but, like. Uh, yet it is still somehow more successfully erotic than any of the actual sex scenes that we've I mean, seen so far.
0: Yeah, my, my man is a fucking prodigy at writing lesbian romance. Like, it's why. I Rin Saber works, and Saber Shiro doesn't. Uh, yeah, it
1: this feels is like completely on accident.
0: <laughs> I mean, what my man did was basically wrote the premise for a mind break fic, and then just didn't follow through. Yeah, like that. That that is literally just what is happening here. Um,
1: yeah. I, so I'll, I'll. I should probably go over it in the summary here.
0: I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to be this... honest here. I feel like my summary of yeah, it's a mind, right. break, mind break Thick premise is, like, pretty pretty clean. I feel like that covers it.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, but we should explain because it will be important <laughs> I mean, later. yes. Is that uh, Castor has uh, left the Ryudo temple. Uh, she has now hold herself up in the church. Uh, she attacked and maybe killed Kyrie. It's unclear.
0: She, she is insistent uh, she killed Kyrie. She believes yeah. sincerely that she yeah. killed him, at
1: least. Yeah, we we get we get a confirmation of Curie's uh, uh, fate later on in these days, but mm-hmm. at this point in time, it is ambiguous. She thinks she did, um, and she just has Saber in magical bondage. She has dressed Saber. She took Saber out of the armor and dressed her in
0: in a wedding dress. A, she yeah, put basically her in a wedding, a wedding dress. dress.
1: Like, she even has, like, white uh, white stockings and garters on.
0: Wait, eh, she, she is. Uh, I, sure. I need to describe the pose so that the audience yes, understands. Yes, please. Her arms <laughs> are... Her, her wrists are bound together up in front of her. Uh, She is on her feet. And is bent 90 degrees over with her dress pulled up over her ass there's no, you're not able to see anything um, just her in that pose and a it's like the most 90s rob liefeld comic book po- or woman comic book cover <laughs> <Yeah>. pose possible <laughs> where it's just like yeah. why is she standing like that why wouldn't she just like move her feet forward if her feet aren't bound so that she can be more comfortable people don't stand like that there's nothing supporting her this doesn't make sense and on the other hand, you're like, oh, okay, the writer drew this because it made his dick hard. Okay, cool. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, there's also, like, no explanation for why Caster is a horn dog now.
0: Like, um, like the, <laughs> I mean, so there, there is a bit of explanation. Um, and it's partly in the reveal of who she is, partly in, like, just who she is as a character. Um, like, a little
1: bit in who she is, but that manifests differently with kuzuki
0: it manifests differently with kuzuki but also like uh uh there is a desire on uh her part to lash out at somebody who is like sincerely desired in like a genuine way because that is a thing that she has not ever been allowed access to and like even in death she can't find it in herself to love a person who can openly love her back like, uh, it, uh, part of it is yeah, clearly, like, motivated I, by a desire to desecrate. I would debate
1: desecrate. that Kuzuki openly loves her, though.
0: <laughs> I, I think he cares for her. Uh, hmm. I, I don't think he openly... Kuzuki chooses to die here. Yeah, I... I... Kuzuki, the man who his entire life has survived by continuing to survive as, like, like a basic was... automatic function, makes an act have a choice that... to die.
1: I suppose so. I guess we should have that argument a little later when that scene happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like the the visual, like the text of the visual novel says that, like, um, Caster. I didn't write this particular stuff down in the summary, but Caster like wants, like, she could just use a second command spell to bring Saber to heal immediately. Uh, but she specifically wants to break her will, and, um... (laughs) There's a really weird line about wanting to, like, make this virginal knight, uh, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but, like, lust for pleasure? It was something like that?
0: Yeah, it... Like... I was not kidding when I said it's a mind-break premise. It, it, that's literally yeah. what it is. Like, she is... This is literally Nasu saying, hey, y'all bitches want some Dojin prompts? Here you go. Like, yeah. it, that, yeah, that is basically. literally what this is. Um, uh-huh. it, it, in terms of, like, what it is doing in character, it, like... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, again, another villain performing an act of sexual assault, like it it is codified in that same way. And it's honestly kind of frustrating that it keeps happening, that this is the only way Nasu knows to make people villainous.
1: Yeah. Like I, especially like with caster, I think there is a way that you could actually make that work. If you actually leaned in more... Nasu doesn't like, have the fucking chops. Caster's identity, but he doesn't have the chops to do that. And also, he's used sexual assault for far more frivolous purposes before. Yeah. Uh, so I don't trust his motivations when he's doing this with Caster.
0: I don't trust his motivations when he's doing it with Caster. <laughs> he hasn't done the legwork to make me trust it and give him that uh, legroom. Uh, and, yeah. and, like, if he wanted me to do that, that camera has to be so different. That that camera yeah. can't be... like. When I say this is a mind-break prompt, what I don't mean is like, oh, the premise is basically the same. I mean the camera is the same. The The desire for that titillation is the same. Like, it, it, it is not like, a, oh, it, it just happens to be the same scenario. It is, no, this is serving that same desire of titillation, of, of masturbatory self-satisfaction, uh, of literally being a pornographic prompt. And, like... That doesn't give me any like it, that doesn't entice me to give him any leeway especially when he has a bad habit of using rape in like really bad ways and now he is devolving to also using a sexual assault scenario in ways for enticing sexual pleasure like yeah it, it, that it, in its in its context alone this is the closest uh, uh Nasu has come to writing anything that like Evokes any eroticism, yeah. but in its context of the work as a whole, of a, a work that has it over, been overjoyed to use sexual assault repeatedly, uh, and is now using it to evoke the most sincere uh, bit of erotic writing so far is like mildly concerning. That's like kind yeah. of frustrating and uh-huh. upsetting. Like that. It, I want to be clear here. I'm not particularly looking to kink shame. I'm not particularly looking to get into a discussion about the moral exploration of porn, especially related to topics yeah, like this. It's like, not.
1: I have friends who are into that kink. We're not here to like tell yeah. them they're bad people for it. At I-, all. I-,
0: I legitimately <laughs> don't care. I don't have like the wherewithal, and I'm a stupid motherfucker. I'm not a person who should be listening to these topics anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway,
1: we're just saying that Nasu is using this particular kink terribly yes.
0: it it is specifically Nasu using this kink in specifically this context after establishing throughout his novel for the whole time uh and his like frivolous uses of rape and sexual assault imagery to begin with to now be using it for uh, uh eroticism is like concerning it, it makes me concerned about engaging with like the work as a whole if that makes sense
1: Yeah, mm -hmm. mm-hmm. So, moving on from that particular part of the scene, um, as Casper is admiring her work, uh, Kuzuki unexpectedly arrives at the temple and asks her what she's doing. She explains what happened to Shiro and the gang, and Kuzuki states he never gave her such an order. Uh, He asks her to explain why she acted on her own. She claims she was attempting to lead him to victory. Kuzuki orders her to search the temple for the Grail while he guards Saber. Uh, we now cut to Shiro, who is just waking up. His wound still hurts, but he no longer feels intense pain. He gets out of uh, he gets out uh, out of bed to make breakfast. Um, and after eating, he takes off his bandage, disinfects the wound, which has hardly healed at all because. He's no longer getting the benefit of...
0: Yeah, it it uh, turns out normal people don't magically heal in a day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, now that he's cut off from Saber, um, Saber's energy is no longer powering the sheath inside him, so the sheath just doesn't do anything anymore. Um, And then he puts the bandage back on. Uh, He takes a wooden sword from his shed and heads outside. You can now... uh, You now have a choice to either go to the church for advice or meet up with Rin. The only way to avoid a dead end is to meet Rin for obvious reasons, since the church is now inhabited by Castor.
0: Uh, Why would that be a problem? I don't see an issue. What are you talking about? (laughs)
1: Uh, Shira decides he needs to convince Rin that he's not going to give up fighting. Besides, he feels he owes her, since she's the only one who. Since Yeah, since. Good lord, what's wrong with me? Uh, He feels he owes her, since she's the one who originally saved his life. As usual, though, Shiro doesn't have any actual plan for how to find Rin. Stupid motherfucker alive. (laughs) It does, so... Oh, this boy. And he just ends up wandering the town fruitlessly before deciding to rest at the park for a bit at noon.
0: I I will say... After taking These three days are maybe the most I've liked Shiro.
1: Interesting.
0: I'm trying to think if there's Uh... anything that would have me walk that back there
1: are there are specific moments where I I do hmm there are definitely moments I think in, in here where I do uh, like him a lot
0: let me rephrase um, uh, these three days Also, have the... these
1: three days signal for me I think my frustrations with this particular character arc as a whole uh,
0: yeah I think I, I... I think that's fair, and we'll definitely have something to talk about at the end. What I specifically meant is like these three days have the moments, the moments where I like Shiro the most.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Um, There, there's specifically like a a moment with Rin, like yeah, I have a couple moments at where they're both at like their lowest moment that are very good. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes,
1: Um, and and like you know, make me like Shiro a lot. Uh, So. Um, where was I? Oh, right. Um, After taking a break for a moment, he gets back up to search one more time in Shinto. He's not sure why, but he can feel that Archer is nearby. We cut to Rin, who is thinking about the field of infinite blades that she saw in her dreams, and how she knew at the start that this was the scenery inside Archer's mind. She considers how there exist people who were forced to the throne of heroes because of their fate. Anti-heroes, who should be called Avengers. Uh, that is something that will come up later. What?
0: No, shut up. What? No, that's not ever going to be relevant. <laughs> there's never going to be anybody called an Avenger in this game.
1: <laughs> shut oh, up. Oh, man. Uh, there's going to be so many more Avengers when we get to Fate Grand Order. Uh,
0: it is actually interesting to see, like, some of the seeding happening for uh, um, Heaven's Feel that, like, we can yeah. both see coming.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, however archer is neither a true hero nor an avenger as a guardian archer would have been summoned only to clean up disasters caused by humans it would not have taken long for him to realize how meaningless his own sacrifice was he was betrayed by his own ideal in the end Uh, at this point archer wakes rin up she hasn't slept since last night and she ended up falling asleep standing up in a graveyard like she's a fucking horse (laughs) it's very funny
0: she's Uh, such a dumb ass
1: uh archer tells her she was talking in her sleep and she is relieved to learn that she didn't mention she knew about archer's past at all she likes their relationship as it is uh suddenly though she asks him if he's ever regretted his own actions she doesn't want to if she can help it but she imagines it must be tough to never feel regret Archer says it depends on the person, but he believes Rin is the type who will follow her path until the very end. She asks if he's, it, she asks if he's that type of person too, but he dodges the question, saying that it's meaningless. After all, his end came a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I I think that moment specifically is important for understanding um. Uh, understanding Archer's a reference, like. He is fully somebody who is convinced that he has, like, nihilistically lost any future, any past. And, like, to a degree, he's not wrong. Like,
1: Yeah.
0: Or, or like, from his perspective, at least, he's not wrong. Um, It's more complicated than that, and Shiro makes the case that it's more complicated than that, but...
1: Yeah, because, like, from Archer's perspective, he's a a guardian now. Um, This... This Holy Grail War is a brief reprieve from what he normally does, mm-hmm. uh, but once the Grail War is done, he's just going to go back to being a guardian for the foreseeable eternity. Like as long as humans exist, he's just going to be doing that,
0: right, over be- and over again. Because it's important to remember, uh, uh, heroic spirits uh, and especially guardians, uh, uh, heroic spirits almost seem like what er, uh, guardians almost seem like what heroic spirits are modeled after uh, to a degree it's it's weird um
1: yeah what what happened it, uh, i think it got explained um earlier in unlimited blade works yeah they, they, they like talked about it earlier when, um yeah like, when mages created the holy grail war they basically um
0: well, hero they hero basically already
1: siphoned existed. they siphoned the guardian system to use for their familiar
0: something they, they siphoned the throne of heroes your uh, her guardians your her hero experience already existed um, yeah. It, but yeah, the, the Grail War is literally a hack of the throne of heroes, um, which is fun. Um, like I, I legitimately think it's cool that they hacked the root. That's actually yeah, super uh-huh. sick. Like it unironically <laughs> kicks fucking ass.
1: Oh, imagine! Imagine if the mages used all their intelligence for something that actually benefited humanity instead of doing their dumb bullshit.
0: They could not like they fundamentally measuring I, I, well, Okay, so <laughs> I, I, you you make that joke, but like I don't think it is possible for them to ha- ever have done that. Like the way they accrued this power, accrued this knowledge in the first place, is through violence and harm. That's they true. could not have accrued that power and also be the same people who would aid people in that same way. Or, it, like, as Shiro would very cleanly make the case, like, that aid would be tainted. Like, that process itself of acquiring that is as important as the end result.
1: Yeah, it's it's similar to how, like, you, you literally can't uh, expect a corporation to uh, put um, the well-being of other people above their profit motivation, because... Th- like, oh, it's cool that Nestle has, has a... Exists uh, uh to just accumulate profit. That's what they're for.
0: Oh, it's cool that Nestle put a Pride logo on their uh, uh, Twitter profile <laughs> and donated a bit of money to um, a, a charity. Uh, they do have child slaves in other countries, but, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Um, it, yeah, like, it, it's literally that. Like, Nasu... <sighs> I wish Nasu fucking realized that. Okay, no, here, here's the thing. I think he does. because, And the, the case I make is he is consistent about this. Like That's true. He is, without fail, consistent about mages as a structure, as a shape of society, being inherently flawed and monstrous. Of being consumptive and destructive in every possible way. Um... It, he just is not interested in the camera being focused there long enough to write about systemic and material conditions.
1: Yeah, that, I, su- I suppose that is true. Like, ev- even in works not written by Nasu, like, the only, like, good mages, the ones who are not morally pure, but are a l- a lot more morally in line with people like you and me, are Rin and Waver, uh, Rin, who barely exists in the proper mage system to begin with because she's just been on her own for a decade, uh, and Waver, who was specifically looked down on by the mage association, uh, which we'll get more on him and the specifics in in Fate Zero, but to make this point, um, like... Waver was considered, like, not worth bothering with. Right. Uh, and, like, uh, the, and the only other, and, again, like, the, the only other good mages, um, are ones that are, like, being directly trained by Waver.
0: The only Um, other good mages are dead mages, is, frankly, what this novel makes me think.
1: Yeah, um... Yeah, because, like, the because they get taken advantage of, and just... Like, we saw what Kyrie has done to Lancer's master. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, although,
0: although, that's, like, a slightly different case, because she's from the church.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. But, like, um, mages by their... Mages, like, don't... They will take whatever opportunity they get. Yes. Like,
0: they do not... They do not view others as people and like I, I I do agree though I think it is very frustrating to have not Na- like I think if Nasu didn't ha- clearly have the chops to write something like that it wouldn't be nearly as frustrating right like yeah, we can see like... him doing this in the background we can see him setting it up and we just know he's not going to touch it
1: yeah, like, what what frustrates me most about it is, like, all the pieces are clearly there, and there is clearly intent behind how the mages are portrayed in Fate Stay Night, but so far, like, there has been literally zero discussion of, like, hey, this system is kind of fucked up, why can't we just say no or dismantle it, like?
0: What if we burnt it to the ground instead?
1: Yeah, why, why do we have to play by the rules? Um, and, like, Shiro sort of asks that in um, when he's talking with Kyrie. Uh, but, like, that's sort of at the beginning where Shiro doesn't really know enough about the background of the Holy Grail War and what it what it does to call Kyrie out on his misdirections.
0: Um, um, so... I do think it is worth mentioning, Heaven's Feel is, to my knowledge, uh, by virtue of being in part about Sakura, going to involve more of Mage Society stuff. So maybe we get it there.
1: Maybe. I hope so. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough of that digression, I guess. Um, uh, so suddenly, though, uh, Rin... Oh, right. I already did that part. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, It's now 7 o'clock at night, and Shiro still hasn't found Rin. Uh, With no other ideas left, he decides to try visiting the church for help, even though he doesn't like or trust Kyrie. You know, fair. Uh, I don't like or trust Kyrie either. (laughs) Nope. Uh, As he approaches the entrance to the church, he gets a sudden painful headache. He opens the front door and sees bloodstains on the floor trailing to the back door.
0: Just gotta say... I, too, also get sudden and painful headaches when I'm about to enter a church. But that's just because I was raised Roman Catholic. <laughs> uh,
1: he, he takes out his wooden sword and follows the blood, uh, calling out to Rin to see if she's there. Um, nobody responds, and he descends into the mausoleum. Over the, railing of, over the railing of the stairs, he spots Rin and Archer facing off against Kuziki and Castor. Neither pair seem to have noticed him, Worried that he may distract Rin and Archer if he reveals himself right now, Shiro chooses to stay hidden and silent. He'll observe the situation and wait for a more appropriate moment. Castor reveals to Rin that she killed Kyrie, because she didn't want him interrupting her plans later. Rin asks Castor if she checked the corpse. She'd be relieved if Kyrie was actually dead, but he's not that easy to kill. (laughs) Uh... Castor uh, reveals that, no, she did not confirm her kill, and Rin was like, well, he's probably still alive then. Uh,
0: I-, I do think it is interesting, uh, too, here, um, Natsu actually does a pretty good job of subtly showing that Rin is, like, clearly kind of conflicted about Kyrie being dead. Yeah. Like, on the one hand, she knows she should be happy that he's, like, not alive anymore, um, but it's pretty clear that, like, when she realizes she didn't check, or Castor didn't check the body, that there is some semblance of relief to her.
1: Yeah, because, like, even though Kyrie is absolutely a terrible person, um...
0: He's a surrogate father figure, like...
1: Yeah, like, yeah, d- despite also being responsible for her own father's death, like, yeah, like, there there is that sort of conflicting emotion there. Um, where she does feel a sort of attachment to him because of, like, you know, the things that he did help her with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Rin tells Archer that uh, he'll be taking on Kuzuki and she'll battle Castor herself. Uh, Archer warns her that a Magus cannot beat caster, uh, but she says she, uh, she wouldn't have suggested it, suggested it if she didn't have a plan already. Archer, however, pushes back, stating that Caster would even kill her own brother to escape. Uh, Caster is surprised by his words and asks if he figured out her identity. uh, Quote, I hear human-shaped creatures made of dragon's teeth are magic used by the king of Col... I think it's Col... Colchis or Colchis? C-O-L-C-I-C-H-I-S? I'm not sure. I should have looked that up beforehand. Uh... Uh, and then he continues, I hear that his daughter, uh, Medea, was famed as an excellent witch. Um, yes. We can just say here that Archer is correct about
0: Yes, idea. she is Medea. Um, she if, if, For those who don't know, uh, Medea is the uh, sorceress in the uh, Argo expedition who aids uh, Jason in the search for the Golden Fleece. Um, and he uh, is the one... Um he promises basically to marry her uh and she is a sorceress who flees with him from her native town with him uh only to end up uh at a tragic wedding uh when Jason abandons her to marry someone else uh, after they've had children together Yeah I think she ends up marrying uh a king of Athens maybe afterwards um, or that, or she dies I don't remember which
1: Yeah, it's it's basically like a woman scorn situation With some storytellers Having a more sympathetic view Of her than others As is yeah. often the case in ancient myths Evolving women Yeah uh, uh-huh. um, But yes uh, So uh, With the jig up, Caster threatens To use a second command spell to bring Saber under, oh, her, uh, con- sorry, under I- her total control
0: I missed the important part of that myth, uh, which is she does murder both uh, his bride-to-be and the king uh, with poison gifts, and then also her own sons uh, yes. before leaving.
1: Yeah, uh, she does kill a lot of people. She
0: kept, Now, listen, I know it's going to be a bold take. Medea did do some things wrong. That She, she did <laughs> do a couple of things wrong. <laughs>
1: Uh, Rin says that Saber would, uh, should, would still be able to resist for a couple minutes, giving them plenty of time to take her out. Uh, Archer disagrees, arguing they'd only be able to take half, half her powers at most. Shiro feels a sinking feeling in, in his gut and silently begs Archer not to do what he knows he's about to do. Archer walks up to Castor and asks if she has room for one more servant. Castor laughs and says she has plenty of energy to go around for all the servants. Because she's, you know, stealing it from the entire fucking town.
0: Yeah, she's eating people.
1: Yeah. uh, Archer tells her he accepts her previous offer. He asks her to use Rule Breaker on him, but Caster hesitates. If he's willing to betray Rin, he's certainly capable of betraying her. Archer agrees it's possible, but reminds her the command spell exists to punish betrayers. Caster seems reassured by this and then plunges the dagger into his chest. Rin watches these events transpire silently. She knows it's now impossible to escape. With no other options, though, she tries to run anyway. Kuzuki dashes towards her. This is Shiro's only chance. He jumps over the railing and lands between them. His wooden sword shatters against Kuzuki's fist, but it, blo- but it does block the first blow. Everyone other than Archer is surprised by Shiro's sudden entrance. However, Kuzuki continues his assault. Trace on, Uh, Shiro says. His body begins to warn him about magic overload, but he ignores it. Uh, His body was made to create swords. He believes it's impossible for him to die by making them. Keyword, believes. Uh, Um, With Archer's twin swords now in his hands, he repels Kuzuki's attack. Uh, However...
0: uh, I do want to say one thing, which is we are going to get uh, a bit more explanation of how projection functions and, like... I do think it is important that, like, yeah, Shiro's power is fundamentally built on the backbone of his certainty of the way the world should work. Like, that's yeah. that's literally how projection functions. Um yeah. And so him believing that, like, yeah, he can't die from swords, so they won't kill him, is, like, honestly probably part of what means he doesn't die.
1: <laughs> uh However, the force of Kuzuki's blow has reopened Shiro's wound. He's now on a time limit to defeat Kuzuki before his body gives out. However, he can't think of a way he can possibly do that. Uh, Caster readies an attack to finish them both off, but Archer intervenes, saying he forgot to tell her his conditions for joining her. He would like her to let them go since they are useless as masters. Caster agrees to spare them, but she'll kill them if they get in her way again. Rin and Shiro turn around and walk to the stairs to leave. For a moment, Rin turns around to look back at Archer. He tells her it's wrong to curse him. He simply chose the stronger master. Rin tells him he'll regret it. She'll defeat Castor and get him back. Uh, Interesting for Rin to tell Archer of all people that he will regret something after the previous conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, and like... Stuff like that has me like, yeah, Nasu, you can, like, do a right. This is, like, yeah. yeah, call and response. Yeah, man, you got it. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Cool. Uh. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: on their way home, Rin sees that he, that Shiro is falling behind and urges him to take a moment to rest. Shiro insists that he'll be fine and they should get back home, to any home, as quickly as possible. Rin lashes oh. out at him saying he's clearly not fine and that he should never have entered the church or used projection magic
0: there was um there was one thing I wanted to mention about Shiro uh, casting projection as well uh, sure go ahead so that there, when he is casting projection uh he says uh a um there, there's just a cool little effect where between every line there's a little red uh, uh danger in parentheses and it just oh, it, yeah. it's very evocative like it's The way um, Natsu plays with text and how it's displayed in this VM is actually super, super fun. Like, it is genuinely very evocative a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also says, uh, success is a matter of course. Do not reconstruct from the basic structure. Read its concept, the maker's thoughts, expectation, moral, faith, and the origin itself. Um, That is why it is not reconstruction, but projection. It is an equal shadow cast by the true self. It does not matter how great the work is. If it has been accomplished once, there is no problem with recreating it. Um, and so it it is, it is a fundamental acknowledgement that Shiro's desire is something somebody has done before. It, it is replication. It, it is the reproduction uh, writ large of things people have achieved before. And so he should be able to achieve itself. Like, that is part of why he believes everything that he can do is not impossible. Because somebody else has done it before, so there's no reason for him to be unable to do it. Yeah. Which I, I think is interesting. Like, Shiro framing these incredible, impossible items as they've existed once before, so there's no reason they can't exist now, versus yeah. the context uh, everyone else can see things. And, like, extrapolating that writ large to the dynamic of the Holy Grail War and Shiro and Rin versus the rest of Mage Society is, I think, genuinely kind of compelling.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because, like, you... Because oftentimes, especially, like, with um, mythological figures and their weapons, you know, like Caliburn, um, they're portrayed as these uh, very special weapons.
0: They're Um, they're literally called divine mysteries.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, like, someone had to forge Caliburn. (laughs) Someone had to, like, make Geborg. Um they they didn't just appear out of the ether. Um,
0: yeah, and like this is part of what I was talking about before, where like Nasu in the you can see Nasu concerned about like material realities here, like Shiro from yeah, the beginning. We call what that is like, the
1: origin of things.
0: What, what is the origin of things? Yeah, a thing it had to exist. A thing had to be made, and like yeah, yeah it's, and oftentimes it's it
1: is a person who makes it.
0: Exactly, a like person, not,
1: not some god, but like an actual human human being—and
0: if it was made once, it can be made again. And if it was made once in the first place, it can be understand how it was made because a person made it. And like to replicate it is going to require understanding that person, require understanding them in depth, thoroughly, yeah, and, like and understanding they what made they wanted. The weapon. But like the possibility is there. It a, a divine mystery is like not that much of a mystery to Shiro because he wants and lets himself understand it instead of accepting that it is unknowable. Yeah. Um. I, and, like, it, this is wh- where for, that frustration comes in. Like, this is the Shinji, or the Shiro that we saw earlier in the uh, novel where, like, he was fixated on understanding systems and understanding uh, objects in that same way with the psychometry. And we were calling out, like, Yo, man, maybe this is going to be about systemic and material realities, and then it just wasn't. Like, Nasu has the pieces here; he's doing something.
1: Yeah, like I I wish, I wish that Shiro expanded this sort of part about himself because I I do really like this part of Shiro, where he analyzes things and questions things, but he seems to only ever do it like with swords or like the specific minutiae of like yeah. the real war as opposed to like larger picture questions
0: shiro is the dude that i look at and i go oh man you're so fucking close yeah.
1: like he's talking
0: to me like yeah i'm just <laughs> i'm like i'm getting kind of into bitcoin because you know like fiat <laughs> currency as a whole it's like it doesn't make sense and it, it seems kind of arbitrary uh in like the way the money is distributed and You know, it just it doesn't doesn't really make sense. Um, Like proof of stake ends up being a lot more feasible, and I'm like, man, you're so fucking close. You're so close. You you jumped one step to the left, and you should have jumped to the right. You're so close. Yeah.
1: What if you questioned money itself, and not just Uh was like, what if we made a different money?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like Shiro, man. uh, Fuck. Uh, Okay, actually, no. Shiro Uh would be into Bitcoin. Rin would be into Bitcoin.
1: rin would be into bitcoin rin
0: would rin would be into bitcoin and rin would have made a fucking killing with bitcoin
1: i love rin but she would be into
0: bitcoin like rin is the person who finds the next coin that is going to be big invests in it and then cashes out
1: do you think rin would be the person who made it big at bitcoin but then forgot the password to her
0: bitlocker (laughs) Uh, um, do you mean, oh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Sakamoto, I think it was? Yeah, I can't uh, the remember dude the dude. Who... Okay, so that, th- this is entirely, that dude is, give me one second, I'm actually going to look up his name, because yeah, this w- guy's she story is. dude
1: who has like a, a, has a hard drive with their their entire Bitcoin savings on it, but they cannot remember the password for the encryption.
0: So, there are. <laughs> There is a story behind it. There is a large chunk of the original Bitcoin that has, to my understanding, basically never been touched. Uh, It's unclear exactly who uh, has control of it, but it is largely uh, assumed to be... uh, um,
1: 'Cause like friend of the show Kim posited that Rin would also make Grover House. And as much as I hate it, I cannot disagree with her.
0: Rin would make Grover House because Rin doesn't know how to build a house. <laughs> and she wouldn't let anyone help her. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> Shira would be like, look, I can I can help you reinforce this. Like it's like, no. I don't need your help. Uh,
0: Satoshi, uh, like Satoshi Yakamoto or something like that, I think is the uh, uh, Supposedly one of the people who made Bitcoin. Um, And there is a dude who claimed to be uh, Satoshi, who um, was definitely at least one of the early people to get in on Bitcoin, who uh, basically tried to forge his dead friend's uh, uh, permission to loot his company. Uh, steal all of the Bitcoin and assets. uh,
1: Oh, my God.
0: uh, Wrote emails between the two of them months after the friend was dead. And uh, then, when the Australian IRS was catching up to him, uh, (laughs) called the dead friend's family in America and was like, hey, so I just wanted to let you know, uh, you know, uh, that he let me do this. uh, And so we're okay. And I just, I wanted to let you know in case anybody asks. Uh, And then... The family started looking into it and was like, hey, Satoshi Nakamoto, I think it is actually, not Yakamoto, Um, but in the dead friends, it was like, hey, wait, what the fuck? Uh, And basically brought this guy up on charges here in America. uh, And the entire he is he is like blatantly, obviously not Satoshi, like (laughs) clearly not Satoshi And his entire business model is built on him being Satoshi, on him saying he's Satoshi and that he's the one who did it. Uh, Like all of his uh, contracts are based on his reputation as this person. Um, And like literally during the trial, the judge says uh, the question of whether the defendant is Satoshi is not uh, not in doubt as apparently both defendant and plaintiff seem to find it true. And it's like, oh, okay, judge, even you don't believe this motherfucker is who he says he is. But if he (laughs) is who he says he is, then A, the defendant gets to keep all his fucking uh, contracts, and B, the plaintiff can ask for way more fucking money, because it means he's way richer. Uh, Wow. (laughs) But he claims he doesn't have access to any of this Bitcoin, because he sent a 12-part bonded courier with the last part of the key... Uh, set to come to him at an unspecified point in the future.
1: this is not the same person I'm thinking of. Okay. This is Uh, a dude who just has an encrypted drive, and he can't remember the password for it.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. He's on like
1: his last two attempts.
0: This is the dude who claims to be the founder of Bitcoin.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, Anyway. uh, Anyways, yes. So, point point of order, Rin would make Grover House, but Tyga would make make the killer zipline.
0: Yes, absolutely. Shiro would help make the killer zipline. <laughs> hey, Taiga, I don't. I think the kids might go too. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, God, we're at
1: forty minutes and not even done with. Day Fuck.
0: 12. I was like, you know, we could probably we could probably squeeze this into an hour. I was stupid. Oh, absolutely and wrong. not. I appreciate uh... you not telling me I was stupid to my face and just letting me discover on my own. <laughs>
1: Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, Rin lashes out at him, saying he's clearly not fine, and, it, and that he should never have entered the church or used projection magic. Shiro stays calm and says, quote, it's more painful for you, right? So let's go home. You can complain once you get home, end quote. Rin goes silent, then murmurs, I can't believe it. A guy made me cry. Uh, which is the most Rin way to be emotionally vulnerable. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, She takes his hand and leads him to the foreigner's cemetery. She tells him to sit down and turn his back to her. She then sits down and places her back against his.
0: This scene is fantastic. This scene Um, rules in part because Shiro just, like, isn't weird horny boy about it. Like, we'll get to it, but, like, we can see the shape of Shiro as a person when he gets older here, when, like, he matures a little bit, and, like, yeah like i i see why rin would like this shiro like yeah Uh, this shiro here who is just like comfortable with rin who is happy mm -hmm. to be around her
1: and is just here to like help um quote i'm just talking to myself she begins she confesses that she shouldn't should that she should have done what archer suggested and defeated castor regardless of the method she was worried about small sacrifices, but now the entire town might be sacrificed. She feels she always screws up when it matters the most, and that it's her fault for letting Caster do whatever, uh, for letting um, Archer do whatever he wanted. Uh, even worse, though, Archer told her she's not the kind of person to regret her actions, but she can't help but be depressed at her mistakes. Shiro tells her he agrees with Archer. There's nothing for her to regret. She asks why he thinks that. Everything turned out terribly because of her ideals. Shiro insists she did, not, she did not make a mistake. She just wasn't successful. She can still be proud of herself. He says he won't regret his actions either. Quote, I believe what I've done is right, but it's full of stitches, he explains. But you're different. You're the type that will regret something, then go back and retaliate. I'm deceiving myself with all the patchwork, but you go and completely destroy it with a straight face. I'm sure you don't intend to give up now."
0: There is, like, a sincerity in his admiration for her that, like, feels very genuine and compelling.
1: Yeah, he honestly does look up to her.
0: Yeah, like, it's, it's... It's very good. Like, it, this scene rules.
1: Yeah, and not and not and not because like she's a more powerful mage than him. Uh, it's because he sees in her a conviction that he wishes he had.
0: Yeah, like there is like a n- nothing but respect for her in like a really deep and fundamental way, and like that is compelling.
1: Yeah. Um, they both go silent for a moment. Then Rin asks why he came to help her. He has a lot of reasons, so he just says the one thing he needs to tell her. He returns her pendant to her and mentions he has the exact same one at his house. He's been admiring Rin for a long time. He got to like her even more after talking to her, and he didn't want her to die. Rin gets flustered and tells him not to say things so directly if he doesn't want to create misunderstandings. Quote, I won't won't create misunderstandings, Shiro continues. I really do like you. She calls him an idiot, but he doesn't feel bad. He's just glad she's back to normal.
0: So, this is the part where I need to roast myself. Sure. Reading this scene, I was like, you know, okay, yeah. Shiro, man, I can can fuck with you right now. You're doing all right. And then I realized I've literally done this move. Like, like, this is literally, uh, this is literally how I flirt with people where I just am like, (laughs) yeah, man, I'm into you. Uh, it's chill, (laughs) but like that it is what it is. Uh, all right, cool. Like I, I literally down to like, we're hanging out at night, uh, just chilling, ended up like telling somebody I liked them in this exact same way. And it's like, well, well, fuck! Hmm. I don't like. I can't like being... believe
1: you're the Shiro of this podcast.
0: I'm so fucking mad that you're right. <laughs> like, like literally, just as I was going through and reading this, I was like, okay, okay, yeah, th- this makes sense. This is this not just how most people communicate that they're interested in somebody? Like, the moment you realize, you're just immediately like, yeah, cool. I'll just tell them how I feel. Uh, no expectations, no obligations. But you know. Just figure they should know. Uh, and then went, oh no, that's because I'm stupid. And just, this is just how I handle shit. Um, Rin would call you a Baka. In her defense. Yeah, man, I'm dumb as hell. <laughs> uh,
1: with Rin's good spirits restored, uh, she suggests they go back home now and offers him her hand. As they leave the cemetery, she thanks him for helping her out. Uh, Back at Shiro's house, Rin offers to treat his reopened wound. She heals his dead nerves uh, by just slapping him (laughs) uh, and gives him a painkiller ointment.
0: The slap feels complimentary more than anything.
1: Yeah. Uh, She then wraps bandages around the wound. Uh, Afterwards, she heads into Shiro's kitchen to make a late dinner for the two of them. Uh, But Shiro has to help because Rin doesn't actually know how how to make miso soup.
0: I Um, fucking love Rin. She's so dumb.
1: (laughs) She only knows knows how to make Western food. Uh, As they eat, Shiro decides to tell Rin about why he joined the war. At first, it was because he got dragged into it and wanted to do something about it. But now he realizes he joined because he likes superheroes and wanted to protect everyone. Rin observes that the fact that people are dying bothers him more than the possibility of his own death. She may not like it, but she's come to accept that he'll try to fight no matter what she says to him. So she's decided to continue cooperating. Uh, Later that evening, Rin explains the limits of projection magic. Since it relies on the mental image of the user, projection won't work if your mental image of the object is not perfect. Shira asks why, then, his projected swords broke, since clearly his mental image was good enough for him to project them in the first place. Rin explains, in a manner that I found to be somewhat confusing, uh, that a flaw was created after the sword was projected. Quote, the sword is perfect the moment you project it, but what you imagined is a sword that won't break, right? If this sword breaks in real life, what is projected becomes a lie. This isn't because the sword broke. What you imagined is a sword that will not break. But when it breaks, the sword that broke and the sword that will not break in your imagination became two separate things. It's because the scales between you and reality tip, End quote. When Archer's swords broke, Shiro's mind no longer considered them to be Archer's swords, so they disappeared. Uh, which is the slightly easier way of explaining it. Basically, that like... A sword that does not break is actually impossible. Like, it does not exist. But mm-hmm. that is what Shiro imagined when he constructed them. So when they broke, uh, Shiro imagined that he screwed up and he did not actually make Archer's swords. So they ceased to exist.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the, but the thing, the thing that is happening with projection is it, the thing holding them together... As previously established, they are fundamentally things that should not exist in this world. They are—that should not be replicable, that should not be creatable, uh, because there is already one of them in the world. Like, the only thing holding them here is Shiro's will in the first place. And the only thing holding them in that shape and making that shape true is Shiro's certainty that it is the case. That this sword is, uh, uh, Byakuya and, uh... Fuck! What's the other sort?
1: I do not remember.
0: <laughs> uh, starts with a K. Uh, but regardless, uh, the only thing holding them in this world is that it is Shiro's certainty that they are a Concho. Uh, it's Concho. Concho, yes. Um, that they are and and Concho, um, and like it, it, part of it even hints that like yeah, part it, part of Shiro's thing is like he is to a degree holding himself back because he is just convinced he is making a replica. And, like, if he could convince himself, be certain, like, that he was making something as strong as the real thing, he could.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, we we know this in Fate. Like, he makes a Caliburn that can straight up use the actual noble phantasm of
0: Caliburn. He makes and Avalon, like... and it's as powerful as Avalon. It is Avalon yeah. in truth.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, like, and... it, it, it shields him just as well as the quote-unquote real Avalon would.
0: Right. Um, and so, like... It, Projection is less the power to make swords than it is the ability to enforce your belief of the shape of reality onto reality itself, brought into existence by the symbol of the sword, a thing which has historically been a symbol of one's ability to afflict your desires on the real world through violence. Like, it, Projection is literally the, uh, the means by which you can shape the world to be your, uh, or to your desires by creating the symbol of the thing that symbolizes forcing the worlds to your desires.
1: Yeah, you may and, even be able to create a world of your own.
0: Listen, <laughs> listen, I, I wasn't gonna say nothing <laughs> like that, but I was, like, hinting, maybe. Um... <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it is significant that um, Shiro's power is like, Shiro's power only manifests in swords itself, and that that is the bounding of it, um, and that is part of its tragedy. He he cannot imagine a world in which he can save people, in which he can change the Create world by anything but the sword. A weapon. <laughs> he he cannot imagine. Taking care of others by any means other than violence. Yeah, like, it's, her,
1: it, it's a callback to like fate, where yeah. he is disappointed in Saber calling him her sheath. Like he he can't think of a use for his power that is not just making a thing that hurts people. Uh,
0: okay. So there's gonna this is a mild spoiler here, uh, for uh, Heaven's Feel, I guess. Um, there is one point where I know Shiro makes a bunch of swords and uses them to block something. Um, and, like, Shiro using swords for things that swords aren't meant to do is some of the symbolism shit that I am so fucking ready to pop the fuck off for.
1: I mean, he literally does that later on in these days. Does he? Yeah, he does. We'll get to it. But he literally does that. Uh...
0: the thing I'm thinking of is specifically more body horror-y, but, you know, that's there. Oh,
1: okay. All right, yeah. Um, but he, he does a similar thing that, than, than what you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I he just... just uh, uses swords for defense. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, it's a little different. We'll talk to it when we get there in six months. Um, but, yeah, I just... I wanted to highlight that the specifics of um, Projection being a... Uh, being shiro and hit it's literally another embodiment of the only enemy that shiro Emiya has to fight is himself
1: yeah um so uh they move on to, dis- to discussing their next course of action rin asks shiro if he has any ideas of how to face caster uh you have a few options here uh, if you choose to ask about the possibility of cooperating with other masters rin tells you she was thinking the same thing they only have uh, they only have two options, though. Lancer's Master and Berserker's Master. Lancer's Master is still unknown, but they might have a chance with Ilya. It could be very dangerous for Shiro, though, due to her fixation on him. And in this route, they don't know why she's fixated on him. Uh, on the plus side, if they get Ilya on their side, Berserker would be Castor's natural enemy. Assuming Archer was correct about Castor's identity... Uh, Rin explains that Heracles might know Med- uh, Medea through the Argo expedition. Um, with their plan decided, they both decide to get some sleep before heading to Ilya's castle after dawn. As he lies in bed, Shiro thinks about how angry Archer's actions made him. Even if it was the most logically correct answer, uh, action, he would never do something like that. Uh, day 13. Uh, We cut to Castor still searching for the Grail and coming to the conclusion that it was never in the church to begin with. She pauses her search and thinks about how she got to where she is now. To make up for her weaknesses, she used forbidden magic, magic that she had never used during her life. She became a heroic spirit to take revenge, but during her life she only used trivial magic that caused people to destroy themselves with their own greed. She questions what caused her to stray from her path so much. She knows what the grail truly is, and she knows it's meaningless to desire it. Her mind wanders to a point in the near past. It's raining, and she's stumbling toward Ryudo Temple, clinging to her dagger and leaving a trail of blood. Her original master had been a true magus, but he was haughty and cruel and treated her terribly. She pretended to be obedient and goaded him into using up all his command spells on trivial things. After the third command, she killed him. However, that also cut off her supply of energy. Her master had deliberately limited how much energy he supplied her, so her reserves were dwindling quickly. In a few minutes, she would disappear. She lamented that her life was always like this. She was treated unreasonably and used as a tool. For the sake of a hero the goddess of beauty favored, she had been cursed to blindly love a man she had never seen. She had betrayed her father and her own brother for that man, and he then tossed her aside, saying he could not marry a witch. Forever after, she was used as a convenient scapegoat. Just as hope seemed lost, though, Kuzuki found her in the woods and took her back to the temple. She told him her true identity and asked him to be her new master. He accepted and even had sex with her at her request to help supply her with magical energy. For her, meeting Kuzuki was a miracle. Um... Uh, I, I, I do present... want to sure, mention
0: here um, as part of my case for uh, uh, Kazuki um, at least caring for her in some capacity, even if neither of them are able to really define what it is because he is a dude who's lived his whole life dissociating with no real emotional attachment to things um, because he's kind of a sociopath. Um, uh, she asked him to have sex with her and uh he asks first, uh, would she like it gentle or rough? And then they have sex without her response. And the implication is like that it was what she was looking for regardless. Um, and like, it's not necessarily textual, but there is like a degree of implied connection there. And de- yeah, she, implied she intimacy.
1: does say she enjoyed that moment explicitly.
0: Yes. Um, and like it, there is a degree of like implied, uh, uh, connection and understanding there. like the the idea of two people having sex and not needing to verbally communicate their needs and just understanding is like not a new one like that that is a, a old ass shorthand for like understanding and being intimate with each other um which leans me which is part of what leans me towards like them at least the text being convinced that they have some degree of emotional connection to each other.
1: Yeah, uh, I, do think that, I do think that Kuzuki cares about her in, in some way. Um, I just remain unconvinced that he loves her in the way Castor wants to be
0: loved. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's possible for him to love her in the way that Caster wants to be loved. Because Castor wants to be loved in a whole and emotionally healthy way. And neither of them are even remotely capable of that. Yeah. Like, he probably loves her as much as he can, um, but, like, I, he is a dude who exists and who barely thinks of himself as a person. It's hard for somebody like that to have strong emotions or be able to identify them and act on them appropriately. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but back in the present, things are things are not going well. Uh, she knew he didn't approve of her actions and they did not get along well. Archer comes to check on how Castor is doing, mostly because he's bored and wants to banter with her. Because uh, regardless of who he's serving, Arch- Archer will always be kind of a shithead. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, kinda.
1: Castor explains that originally, servants like her and Ryder would never have been summoned, but some- but something happened during the Third Grail War that changed things. After a brief talk, Castor orders Archer back outside. Uh, we cut to Shiro dreaming at, about the Fuyuki fire. As he uh, as he laid down in the rubble and waited for death, the, uh, waited for the death he knew was coming, he considered how wonderful it would be if he could save everything there. He wished nobody would have to suffer, suffer, and that's why he tried to become a superhero. He knows it'll take a long time to reach that goal, and he'll take the wrong path along the way and lose a lot of things. Quote, but I cannot discard them as meaningless. I have to present meanings for everything I've trampled upon and everything that cannot be returned. End quote. Even if he's walking down the wrong path, he will not regret believing in it. Uh, This is sort of the warning sign for... Like, I I was... So, I remember when I first watched Unlimited Blade Works, I remember like, not... particularly liking the conclusion that shiro comes to and i was thinking well maybe when i read the visual novel it'll be different so far so far no (laughs) so So far i'm not having different feelings
0: i'm a little more okay with it than in unlimited blade works in unlimited blade works it's kind of just a matter of fact like even if even if i end up in a bad spot i I don't care it's worth it um here shiro is pretty cleanly stating that, like, I I mean, he doesn't want to end up where uh, Archer is, um, but, like, the important part of this is the process there, like, the work and the act of reaching for something, and, like, he doesn't want to reject that. He thinks that is still valuable still. Um, Paired with, in the visual novel, at least, it's pretty clear to me, at least, that Archer's existence is not a foregone conclusion for Shiro. By virtue of the fact that uh, Archer doesn't remember any of this. Like, this doesn't change any of Archer. It, it not only does Archer not remember any of this, uh, at one point somebody even explicitly says, this won't save you. Ar- yeah. Like, Archer is stuck in the throne of heroes no matter what. He, he is yeah. from... If not you, an alternate time You can't time affect line. time like that. Yeah, like he he yeah. can't affect time like that not because like Oh, you this won't save you because uh, uh you can't kill him in the first place, but this won't save you because like even if you kill him, you're still where you're at, which to me at least uh, implies a timeline separation to a degree or or a separation of realities where like yeah, there's, like, there's a non-zero chance that Shiro ends up where Archer is. But, like, Archer's history included nothing about the Holy Grail War. Like, yeah, at all. The
1: the concern I have is something I'll, I'll actually get to when we cover, like, Berserker's final scene, interestingly enough. Huh. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, sure. But, yeah, I have my concerns about Shiro here. Um, so, uh... He, he wakes up and talks to Rin, um, who, he, who he is briefly surprised to see wearing glasses, about the plan. Glasses, Rin. It's great. She's just wearing glasses. Uh, uh,
0: the she's surra- like all flustered by it, and I'm like, yeah, man, she uses this to see. What, yeah. <laughs> do you <laughs> want her dudes, to not be able to see? What the fuck? S-
1: some dudes just like glasses. You, you know, Otaku. Uh, the woods surrounding I the I try castle. not to. <laughs> the woods surrounding the castle are dense and people can easily get lost if they aren't prepared. To make matters worse, they'll be out of options if negotiations fail. They won't be able to de- be able to escape without defeating Berserker. With no other choices, though, the two take a cab to the edge of the forest and travel the rest of the way on foot. At the forest entrance, they encounter Ilya's alarm barrier. <laughs> this scene is actually really funny. Uh, it gives Shiro a mild shock. Rin reasons it's probably better to announce their presence anyway, since they're just here to talk. Right before she walks through it and receives a much more severe shock. Uh, with the implication that Rin's, Rin has specifically set up the barrier to give differing shocks to different people, uh, which makes um, me like Ilya a whole lot more.
0: <laughs> Ilya specifically fucking with Rin is very funny. Uh,
1: there, what's weird is like there's actually a lot of... there's actually. For as little time as Ilya gets in Unloaded Blade Works, um, it's
0: all great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Listen, uh, basically this entire Berserker scene is tear-jerking bait, uh, I, and it 100 yeah. works for me.
1: Oh yeah, like I was, I, I was, I, I was crying while writing this summary.
0: <laughs> here's the thing: uh, it's so fucking easy to make me cry. My partner has a video of me drunk crying because I literally thought the word dogs. um that being said this scene absolutely made me cry
1: it's yeah what's coming up here is just legitimately fantastic um anyway uh we're not quite there yet uh any uh three hours later they finally arrive at the castle ren is suddenly concerned she can sense someone else here besides them and Ilya. she quickly decides to sneak in by climbing a tree and jump kicking through an upper floor window (laughs) ah god i love ren so much Uh, as they enter shiro hears the sound of fighting Uh, they run to the stairwell uh, before heading down they decide to split up Uh, that way if one of them is discovered and things go south at least there's hope for the other to escape Uh, before heading down ren reminds him not to get involved in the fighting saving others comes after saving himself um, however, Shiro does note that he gets the, gets the sense from Rin's exp- expression and the way she's saying it that Rin does not actually expect him to, fa- to like, listen to her at all. She knows better. She's just saying it because she feels she needs to. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if you're saying something, I'm not hearing you. You're cutting Oh,
0: I-, I just said, yeah, I-, I didn't have much to add here.
1: Okay. Uh, they head down and take cover behind the stairs railing. Uh, Shiro is surprised to see Shinji on the ground floor, observing the fight. Gilgamesh is here fighting Berserker. In truth, it's barely a challenge for Gil. His infinite reign of swords easily keeps Heracles at bay, while slowly but surely chipping away at his stock of lives. Just as it seems like Heracles is about to reach Gilgamesh, uh, Gil releases uh, unleashes a new noble phantasm, Heaven's Chain. The chains wrap around Berserker's body and limbs, bending them in unnatural directions. Ilya uses a command spell to beg Berserker to return to her, but nothing happens. Gilgamesh explains that these chains were used to bind gods. They will not allow transportation to be a command spell. Gilgamesh raises a finger and finishes off the defenseless Heracles with a barrage of 22 noble phantasms. Ilya mourns Berserker and tries to run to his corpse... Um, but Gilgamesh in possibly the cruelest thing we've seen anyone do so far uh, slashes her eyes with the sword in his hand and then pierces her lungs Uh, it is noted in the text that he deliberately misses her heart yes Um, Um, which like is for a specific non-cruel reason but also he probably does it also for cruelty
0: yep it's, it's This part of the scene is nausea-inducing to me, just from the cruelty uh, on display.
1: Um, filled with rage, Berserker suddenly bursts out of the change, chains, but he's too slow. Gilgamesh fires a lance similar to gay Bolg through his heart and kills him for good. He pulls the sword out of Ilya's lungs and prepares to finish her off with his bare hands. Shiro knows he'll die if he tries to stop him, but he doesn't care about that. He can't just sit idly by while Ilya dies. He jumps over the railing down to the ground floor and yells at Gilgamesh to stop. We now cut to an interlude where Heracles remembers when he was first summoned over a month ago before any other servant. The Einzberns have been searching for the Holy Grail for ten centuries. All they've done so far is forged a vessel empty of the true Grail's divine mystery. With the help from outsiders, however, they did manage to perform a ritual to fill the vessel. They created the Holy Grail, but in doing so, they made many enemies. Uh, this is referring to the very first Grail War, obviously. Yep. Um, uh, they were no- uh, The Einsburns were known for breaking rules and constantly pulling out the strongest card. Quote, in the first one, they did not have time to do such a thing. In the second one, they finally found a loophole in the rules. In the third one, they summoned what they shouldn't have. And in the fourth one, they were sure of their victory, having the strongest card and its master. However, in that fourth war, both the servant and master they chose betrayed them. We already know this context from Fate. Um, That master and servant were Kuritsugu and Saber. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we know their reasons for betraying them. Um, the man yeah destroyed it's because they the... suck dick yeah <laughs> turns out the grail is not what Kuritsigu thought it was uh, the man destroyed the grail leaving his wife and daughter behind in the castle uh, for, for the fifth war they broke every rule to ensure the summoning of Heracles uh, they engraved a command spell all over Ilya's body in order to control Berserker even, this, uh, even the slightest move on his part caused her to scream in pain They then proceeded to throw the two into a variety of deadly situations. They toughened Ilya through torture. As a way of coping with her trauma, Ilya insulted Berserker every chance she got and took her anger out on him. She even took away his sanity in retaliation. But she did not truly hate him. Heracles remembers a moment in the winter forest. They had been thrown to hungry beasts and Berserker had had chunks of flesh ripped off him during the struggle. He remembers Ilya screaming in fright, not for her, not for her own life, but for his. After the battle, with Berserker covered with the blood of beasts and Ilya drenched in her own blood from the command spell, she remembers her resting on him. Uh, sorry, he remembers her resting on him and crying. Uh, he remembers he was the only one she ever talked to. Now, moments before Shiro has jumped down. He sees her cry those same tears as she crawls towards him, bloody from the wounds inflicted by Gilgamesh. He tries to get up one more time, but Gilgamesh pierces his heart. As he begins to fade from existence, he sees Ilya fumbling around for him, her eyes blinded. He hears her words in her mind, in his mind. "You're strong berserker, so I'm fine. I won't t- I won't lose to anyone as long as I have you, berserker." With all his will, he fights against the laws of magic that would take him from the world. He managed to preserve his physical form just long enough for Ilya's hand to find him. That's good, Berserker, she says. Stay there, okay? I'm not scared anymore, even though it's dark. You're strong, Berserker. I'm safe if you're like that. As Ilya goes to sleep in his arms, Berserker's consciousness fades out. Uh,
0: This made me fucking cry.
1: (laughs) it's, It's rough. It's it's so incredibly sweet. Um, Okay. Like, you see you see Ilya as just the child that she could have been if she weren't like, forced through circumstances to be the tool of mages, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it is a scene that is blatantly, like, let me pull on your heartstrings as blatantly and obviously as possible. We're going to have this bad guy murder a child because to, to show he's evil. Um, and But, like, yeah, man, it, it works. It, it turns out I feel like Gilgamesh is evil and it made me cry because I just, I want good things for her. Um, and, like, it, Heracles was summoned. Heracles was not only summoned, Heracles was summoned as Berserker. Not as Archer, not as... Uh, saber like the story of heracles is one of tragedy there is no yeah. ending for heracles that ends well for him like in fact that is a consistent feature of the heroic spirits their endings end up being reflective of their endings in real life we'll get to cullin's but his is end is reflective of what his is a myth medea dies tragically after having killed uh everybody around her who she might have loved um after having been betrayed once um Heracles... yeah that's the
1: ironic thing about that is the ironic thing about Caster is like if if she if she didn't resort to what she felt like were heinous decisions that she never would have made in her real life like mm-hmm. uh, the heroes the her- like our heroes probably would have cooperated with her
0: yeah uh-huh um, um it, it, Heracles dies with uh, uh his surrogate child dying um, in part by his own actions desperately scrambling uh, and tragically uh, to retain some last semblance of consciousness. Uh, like, his is maybe the only one that is different than his um, myth, because, you know, he, he dies in it instead of ascending to uh, godhood. Yeah. Um, but, like, the tragedy of Heracles as berserker is maintained here.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's also. I also love this because we get more of Berserker's interiority. Like we are like we had previously only seen him as again a berserker, like someone who who just fights. But also, we know that's not r- truly who Heracles was.
0: Not like, only do we know it's not truly who Heracles was. There's an implication here that despite being berserker, he had maintained his sanity. Yeah, like, before she took it away.
1: Yeah, like th- there was some semblance of Heracles before uh, Ilya took the last of it, um, mm-hmm. because like when you think about it, Heracles, um, like there are a lot of heroes that are summoned to this fight. Uh, Her- Heracles slash Hercules is like the proto hero. Like he he is in ha- in
0: a lot of ways, yeah.
1: Like he's half human, half half uh, half god. Um, like he's basically the the Superman before there was Superman.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, like in like popular conception, the image of Heracles uh, or Hercules is like super powerful as like a proto hero, even if he is not necessarily the original hero for uh, like the Greeks or whatever. Yeah, um, but, like, but also
1: like yeah. as we know from fate, like popular perception also yeah. matters. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um,
0: yeah, like there there are comics, er, very early comics, some of which are about Hercules and the twelve labors.
1: Yeah, and like, um, what's interesting about what I find, what I find, what I found interesting is when I was writing this up in, in the summary, I sort of realized that what heracles kind of does here is sort of what shiro also wants to do is be a superhero and yeah like place their place someone else's existence over their own like we like that is explicitly what is happening in the battle with the wolves like berserker does not move until Ilya commands him to because he knows if if he starts doing things, he will hurt Ilya. And so he just lets the wolves, like, start eating him. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that is extremely a Shiro thing to do. But what I find interesting is that the, the distinction, I think, between Heracles and Shiro... It, it, is that Heracles wants to be a superhero because he loves Ilya.
0: Yeah, Um, there is specificity and bounding to how and who Heracles applies his desires to. Yeah, like... Who he is willing to burn his life for.
1: The only thing that Shiro has is a sense of obligation. Like, I don't... I'm not even convinced there is a general love of humanity there. Um... Because if there was, I'm not sure that Shiro would have... I'm not sure that, like... Or at least... It, there certainly wasn't an Archer's. In the in the in t- whatever timeline became Archer. Uh, um, but also, I'm not convinced that there... That that general love of humanity is there in Shiro either. In, in this timeline, Shiro. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that there is, like... A more than anything, a sense of obligation and um, need to uh, to do so. Like that that he was saved, so he might as he has to do it because he still barely conceptualizes himself as someone who is alive at all, let alone deserves to be alive.
1: Yeah, which is like why I'm not convinced that um, anything will go differently for Shiro than it did for Archer if he continues I, down his path.
0: Oh yeah, I, I don't know if, if anything will happen differently it, it is just important to me that the possibility is there, rather yeah, than it being I, set in stone.
1: I, I do absolutely agree with you that Archer is wrong that it is inevitable Um, but Shiro is so far doing absolutely nothing to convincingly uh, is doing nothing to convince me that anything will go differently for him
0: yeah, he he has not actualized and gone. Hey, maybe I should value myself and not fucking set myself on fire inevitably, so that I can die tragically, saving only a hundred people.
1: Yeah, m- maybe maybe things go, maybe things will happen in the last two days that convince me otherwise. But from what I remember of the anime adaptation, that's not going to be the case.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay, so I think I don't think it's going to change. I also think, based on the way that um, uh, Unlimited Blade Works has built on uh, uh, Fate route to push towards this conclusion, like it, this ideology is coming to a head. Like by the end of Unlimited Blade Works, it's like the ultimate culmination of like, yeah, man, this is what Shiro believes, right? Like that's like the fundamental final shape of it. it he has achieved the ultimate. of what that desire can look like down to even the version of him uh that came back in time to kill him acknowledging him um and to me that at least sacred flags that heavens feel is going to be about interrogating that further uh, about pushing that in a different direction yeah God, I hope Heaven's is about pushing it that in a different direction.
1: Yeah, th- there's a Holy lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff that we're concerned about that hinges on boy I hope Heaven's feel is good.
0: I mean, yeah, like I mean, but like that's the thing. That we what we're basically saying is, man, we're like halfway through the book. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff true. I'm interested in here. Yeah. I hope the back half of the book is good. Like, this is this is sure, true. I I sure yeah. hope this book manages to deliver on anything in the last half like yeah, man, I, I, I hope so, too, because that's what the other half of the book is for.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. It's, it's a mistake to think of these roots as, like, separate stories.
0: More than honestly. literally any other VN I've played, uh, it, these roots are not separate roots. They are literally conti- continuous, one after another uh, stories. Yeah. Like, it, these may as well be Umineko chapters, where they're <laughs> the same story told back-to-back.
1: Uh... Anyway, that, that was the insight I had on Berserker mm-hmm. that I wanted to get to, so...
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that's actually, like, a, a really solid and trenchant insight. Like, I, I think that is very fair, that, like, this is a, a model for Shiro that, like, he is attempting to apply to everybody without understanding the core impulse that leads Berserker to act in the way that is defined as quote-unquote heroic.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the moment where Shiro cries out to Gilgamesh. Without a word, Gilgamesh tears out Ilya's heart. Uh, Gilgamesh recognizes Shiro as Saber's master, but without Saber, he's worthless. Uh, Gil readies a sword, but Shinji uh, orders him to wait a moment. Shinji calls out to Shiro, but Shiro continues to to stare at Gil, considering his next moves. Frustrated, Shinji orders Shiro to look at him. He tells Shiro to beg for his life, but Uh Shiro refuses.
0: I, I do want to say here, Shiro does some shit which is actually kind of tight. Which is he basically barely looks at Shinji while also keeping the entirety of his focus on uh, Gilgamesh. Yeah, and uh, Shinji it doesn't even register to him that like uh, uh, Shinji basically says, "I'm glad you see you recognize who is the most power in this room," and Shiro basically goes the most pathetic part about this is he's he he means he it. it he thinks yeah. this for real he when, buys like, his own gilgamesh height. is right there yeah he, yeah he buys his own bullshit um, like yeah. my dude
1: gilgamesh can summon every weapon that has ever existed you you don't even rate
0: th- this is what i wanted from shinji interacting with or from shiro interacting with shinji from the beginning
1: yeah like
0: th- this is that underlying like loathing that I really was missing I yeah. love seeing him fucking hate Shinji it <laughs> rules
1: yeah this part is actually kind of great Um, uh, uh, when Shinji when Shiro refuses to beg for his life cause obviously he's not gonna do that uh, Shinji tells Gil that he can go ahead and kill him at this moment Rin interrupts them her hand aimed at Shinji she threatens to kill Shinji if Gil kills Shiro Uh, Gil puts his hand down and remarks that, quote, she will be perfect as a vessel, end quote. Um, Shinji offers Rin a spot on their team, but she refuses. She warns him that he's being used. In a rage, Shinji orders Gil to kill both of them, but Gil objects. Ilya's Ilya's heart will rot if they take any more time. Gil and Shinji leave, leaving Rin and Shiro to reflect on the aftermath. Uh, Rin tries to comfort Shiro, telling him there's no way he could he could have saved her. He knows this is true, but it's more painful and scary than anything else not to be able to save someone asking for help. He starts crying and Rin asks why he went so far to save her. Quote, I have no reason, he replies. I stopped him because I just wanted to save her. She looks <clears throat> upset by this answer and tells him his value system is distorted. She tells him it's wrong to live life thinking others are more important than him. If he continues like this, he'll eventually break down. Ashiro senses that Rin knows he'll live a thankless life, so she's trying to stop him. She wonders what happened ten years ago that broke him so badly, and speculates he must have seen a gruesome sight to be so comfortable around corpses. He tells her that he was saved ten years ago, and it's not the reason for anything, but his body instinctively knows he's lying. He tells her that he wanted to save. Shiro everyone. goes,
0: "I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm like regular and fine all yeah, the while. Crying. I'm totally normal. I'm uh, having a regular one right now."
1: He tells her that he wanted to save everyone in places of all those he couldn't save back then. She tells him he's crazy and that it would be a waste if his life was saved only for him to not enjoy his own existence. He's happy that she's angry for his sake and acknowledges that she's right, but he can't listen to her warning. Quote, there's no way that wanting to help people can be a mistake, end quote. Rin gives up arguing with him and helps him bury Ilya's body in the courtyard. Berserker's body turned into sand, so they put the sand in her coffin. Uh, as the sun begins to set, Rin and Shiro discuss what to do about Gilgamesh. Though he appears strong, he does have one weakness— he is not the wielder of any of the weapons in his treasury he owns them but he has not mastered them more importantly though they'll they'll now have to figure out how to face caster with just the two of them suddenly a voice rings out through the castle mocking them for even considering facing caster by themselves lancer walks through the entrance to walks through the an, uh, the entrance to the castle uh crowd goes wild <laughs> the crowd being me <laughs> Uh, and Shira readies says magic circuit. Uh, both sure. <laughs> says
0: Trace on, and I pop the fuck off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, both I,
0: Shira... I, 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 know I've said it before. Trace on's so fucking cool, dude! It's so cool! Yeah. <laughs> like, it just, it never fails to make me lose my fucking mind, because here's the, here's the core fundamental thing. That Fate Stay Night understands better than maybe any other, uh, Anything other than maybe Virgil from uh, uh, Devil May Cry. It's that A, swords are cool. And B, summoning swords. Now that's even fucking cooler. Yeah. Especially if those summon swords are less useful than regular swords.
1: (laughs) Uh... Where where the hell was I? Oh, here we go. Uh, both Shiro and Rin tell each other to run for it while the other stays behind, and they argue for for a few minutes about which which one should sacrifice themselves. This is hilarious. It's very funny. Uh, both Rin and Shiro are on their own bullshit, and Lancer is just, like, standing there just waiting. <laughs> Lancer's
0: having the time of his fucking life. Lancer are you kidding me? This. this dude loves this. I love Lancer, Lancer so much. Lancer lives for the drama. <laughs> Lancer is a messy bitch who lives for drama, and he is just having a great fucking time. <laughs> it rules. Lancer is like, like this bit here immediately makes clear why everyone loves Lancer, even more than everything else. He's so good.
1: Uh, after they tire themselves out from arguing, Lancer asks them if they're done. <laughs> he says he's not actually here to fight and just wants to help them out. His master <laughs> ordered him to form a quick alliance to take down, take down Castor. However, his master didn't tell, tell him who to ally with. He doesn't trust Gilgamesh and Shinji, so he chose Rin and Shiro out of personal interest. Uh, he specifically says he he likes Rin since ever since he first saw her. She's beautiful, stubborn, and courageous. Quote, if I'm to have a female master, I want someone like you, end quote, says Lancer, the fucking horn Horndog. Oh. Uh, uh Shiro agrees to cooperate, but only under the but only under the, under the condition that he stay away from Rin. Uh this is the option that gives you a, a an, an affection point with Rin, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. uh lancer laughs at him for thinking that that's more important than say knowing who lancer's master is uh but at the same point but at the same time he now has a better opinion of shiro lancer congratulates rin on getting shiro to fall for her rin objects and says their relationship isn't like that lancer knows better though and tells rin it's very obvious that the two of them are in love
0: She says, like, Shiro, if you don't say something, he's going to think we really are in love with each other. And Shiro is just like, doesn't say a fucking word. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh,
1: He extends his sympathies to Shiro for having to deal with Rin's stubbornness. Uh, Lancer then asked if it would be all right to tease Rin a little while they're together, since since it makes a great way to entertain himself. Shiro agrees to these terms. They'll cooperate until Casper is defeated. I fucking love this conversation.
0: It's so good. Because
1: Lancer's like, hey, look, I know you want to stay away from her, but also it's very fun to tease her, so can I do that at least? And Shiro's like, yeah, sure, fine.
0: Let's fucking go for it, man. It's It's great. It's genuinely very funny. Uh... I love Cú the... Cullen, in part because he is the most Irish mythology motherfucker that has ever existed. It rules.
1: <laughs> um, the uh, the other option you can take is also pretty good, honestly. Uh, if Shiro simply agrees with no conditions, he turns off his magic circuit as a show of good faith. Lancer remarks to Rin that, quote, This is seriously bad. No wonder you're going through so much trouble, young lady. End quote. Uh, Rin appreciate that there's finally someone who understands what she's had to deal with. However, Lancer adds <laughs> that Shiro's not bad, as guys go. Youth is the time when you can be stupid and foolish. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: fuck. Lancer fucking rules, dude. <laughs> I love Lancer.
1: Uh, Rance, Lancer is just like that one uncle you have. Mm-hmm.
0: That that one uncle where, like, he definitely lets you do shit you shouldn't do because he thinks it's funny. And you're just like, yeah, man, I will never tell my mother about this because she will kill me and then you and you'll laugh the whole time.
1: Yeah, Lancer Lancer has listened to Jimmy Buffett and loves it.
0: He's right, too. Jimmy Buffett rules. I'm I'm confused. What's the issue here?
1: Lancer is never not on Island Time. Uh. Correct. Uh, Rin goes over the plan with Lancer while Lancer pesters her with small talk. Um, I'm sorry, Rin goes over the plan with Shiro while Lancer pesters her with small talk. Uh, Lancer's role is to hold back Archer and Saber, if the worst should happen, while Rin and Shiro fight Kuzuki and Castor. Lancer tells the two not to worry about Assassin. Because Castor summoned him, he's not able to leave the temple. Besides, Caster wouldn't call for him anyway, since she summoned him without telling Kuzuki. Uh, Lancer also reveals that there are only four places that the Holy Grail can be summoned. Two of them are the church and the temple. Uh, Day 14. Uh, on their way to the church, Rin reveals a secret, uh, she's been keeping from Shiro. There's only one of the pendant that he gave back to her. She does not explain what this means, and Shiro does not ask. I mean, uh,
0: okay, so it- I think it is important that it's not, like, a just- Oh, just talk. It, it is like pretty clear from how they communicate that both of them have an implicit understanding of what that has to mean.
1: Yeah, they they now like, for sure know what it Rin
0: is. Rin has her strong suspicions and like has logic it out and like it, it is clear that Shiro doesn't ask because he doesn't want to think about what that definitely means and what he has implicitly understood so far. Yeah. Like it, it it is the kind of he does not ask about it because he does not want to know the answer he is going to get. Yep. Uh, Archer
1: had returned the pendant. Uh, Archer had returned the pendant to her the day Shiro was attacked by Lancer. She assumed he had gone back and picked it up for her. Uh, as they, but the obvious reveal here is that Archer just gave her the pendant that he had. Um, Yeah, the
0: the the pen. uh, So the other implication here is the the thing that summoned Archer. It it wasn't she summoned him without any uh, medium. Yeah, she had the pendant on her.
1: Yeah, like all Uh, all this time, Rin thought that she had fucked up, and that's why Archer came instead of Saber. But actually, she had the pendant, and that was the catalyst. Like she was probably always going to
0: summon Archer. Yeah, a thing that had saved his life. That had was like a marker of a that was very important to him like that was the catalyst for summoning him
1: uh, as they approach the entrance of the church arch archer greets them lancer appears and tells archer he'll be facing him uh, archer calls rin fickle for partnering with another servant already attempting to provoke her lancer tells rin he'll go easy on archer quote i need him to crawl and beg for your forgiveness end quote
0: who's uh, so fucking cool dude I love Lancer so fucking much oh
1: god what a smooth motherfucker
0: he rules like yeah if this dude was like yo I got 15 minutes you wanna fuck I'd be like I can make 15
1: <laughs> the Lance is guaranteed to hit the right spot exact see you know what's up uh Rin tells Lancer she's glad he's the one who came to help them uh Probably the My man has a 100% so hit
0: rate. <laughs> I mean, you're right. No, it, it, it's true and you should say
1: it. Uh, uh, Rin and Shiro run past Archer into the church and leap down the stairs. Uh, Caster mocks them, telling them... <laughs> this is actually great. Caster mocks them, telling them to just use the stairs like normal human beings.
0: <laughs> that does rule, yeah. Uh,
1: man, if only Caster were, like, not an asshole.
0: Not a horrible monster.
1: Yeah. Uh, Rin insults Caster, hoping to break her composure. It works, and our heroes circle their enemies to get into a flanking position. Kuzuki knows what's happening, but he allows Caster to do as she wishes. Uh, Caster and Rin start to attack each other, which triggers the beginning of the fight. Shiro tries to ca- tries to attack Caster from behind, but as sh- but as he suspected would happen, Kuzuki intercepts him. Uh, we now check in on Lancer and Archer's fight. No longer under Kyrie's command spell to merely test his opponents, uh, Lancer is able to fight to kill, and he is making gains against Archer's defenses. Larger's, Lancer's movements are too fast, even for Archer to follow. Fortunately for Archer, Lancer is having uh, is having fun and isn't taking, taking the pa- battle too seriously just yet. Uh, after a big clash, Lancer pauses his assault to ask Archer a question. Quote, you switch to Castor's side even though you are even though you're this strong you and Rin would have had no trouble with Castor End quote Archer insists he chose the path with the highest possibility of victory. Lancer tells him that while his tactics will get him through many battles his swords are lacking in pride. Archer tells Archer tells him to quote feed his pride to the dogs End quote. Um.
0: So th- this is something that might not make sense without some context uh, Kukulin is not his original name I believe uh, it is basically uh, it basically means the hound of Cullen um, and comes from when he uh, killed a dog uh, of Cullen's and um, ended up basically serving as his dog instead um, his original name was like Setenta I think um, and the other p- important part is uh, Cullin, uh was forbidden from ever eating dog meat um, as part of his geas And breaking that geas and eating dog meat because he was obligated to do for complicated reasons um, is part of what kills him.
1: Yeah, and like mm-hmm. Archer is I, very I, deliberately doing this to, to piss lancer off yeah. much like he did with caster like this is just archer's thing like he knows his history and uses it to try and like fuck with his opponents
0: yeah i i mostly just mentioned that backstory because like if you don't have some of that context it just sort of makes you go
1: yeah the insult what? doesn't make sense why it pisses yeah. lancer off so much because uh, mm-hmm. lancer gets very mad uh uh he uh immediately activates his noble phantasm uh leap, leaping into the air and throwing gay uh archer closes his eyes and utters a phrase i am the bone of my sword ro ayas archer summons a shield of giant flower petals the only shield said to have repelled the javelin of the great hero in the trojan war but even it cannot stop gay bulg lance pierces through all seven petals Gaebulg's fatal strike is blocked, but Ayas is destroyed in the process, and Archer has used up most of his magical energy and uh, seriously messed up one of his arms to do it. Uh, Archer lets Lancer know how beaten he is, and then mentions how, inter- how interesting it is that Castor isn't supervising their fight anymore. She must be in trouble. Lancer immediately understands Archer's intentions. He starts to walk away from Archer, then decides to lay down on the grass and see how everything plays out. Uh, Back inside the church, Shiro is struggling against Kuzuki. His swords are being broken, and he's rapidly running out of energy trying to replace them. Once he's all out, he'll die. Rin is in a similar position. In order to match Castor's power, Rin is expending her jewels, and she only has nine of them. After spending two to block a couple attacks from Castor, Rin expends four jewels at once for a massive attack that's beyond her normal limits. Castor's robe swallows it like it's nothing. Rin pretends to be defeated and Castor takes the bait. Castor slowly whispers a spell to kill Rin and Rin takes the opening to murmur a phrase. Uh, stark Gross Zwei. Uh, I apologize to any Germans who actually know how to properly pronounce that. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Rin nullifies her spell and then rushes into melee to attack her. Fun fact, Rin knows Chinese martial arts. Yeah, <laughs> huh Rin strengthens her limbs and just goes to town on Caster, who has no experience in self-defense. Uh, unfortunately, because Shiro has already lost against Kuzuki, Kuzuki is able to come to Caster's aid. Rin's plan has failed. Uh, Kuzuki tells Caster to take this moment to release Saber. They can no longer take Shiro and Rin lightly. However, before Castor can do that, a voice above them murmurs, Trace on, and a rain of swords descends upon them. Castor uh, moves above Kuziki's head to shield him with her own body, and she's torn apart by the blades. Uh, parallel of what Gilgamesh did. Um, mm-hmm. As she dies, Castor says, quote, This is cruel. I finally found a wish. Uh, kuzuki tells her he'll make her wish come true that is impossible she replies because my wish was already being fu- was being fulfilled until now Archer walks down the stairs to reveal himself kuzuki readies his uh, readies himself to continue fighting but Shura objects Castor is gone now he shouldn't have a reason to continue Kuzuki says he started this so he can't stop midway uh, there is a choice you're given here um but it doesn't actually change anything um it, it's mm-hmm. more just a difference in how shiro internalizes what's about to ha- what's about to happen and sort of his own powerlessness um so like i i i chose the option of like uh what good would it be to try and stop them uh oh the see way... i chose the other okay so i'll, I'll go with mind first here so like what what shiro basically says is what thinks to himself is like um like kuzuki had already chosen this path long ago and so so did archer and like shiro shiro's whole thing is he refuses to regret his choices and the path that he has chosen and will follow it to the end so like what right does he have to tell kuzuki that he should no longer go down his path and see it to its conclusion.
0: Yeah. And the other, he basically says um, like, is it so wrong to want people not to have to die when they don't need to? Like there, there is no reason for him to die here. Is it so wrong to want to save him? Even if they were enemies, even if, even if they had been fighting previously, is it so wrong to want a world in which they don't have to kill each other?
1: Yeah. And what's interesting is like
0: both choices are true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually like both of these choices because, like, they do a good job of highlighting, like, the contradiction of where Shiro's at right now, and, like, that's actually what gives me some hope for Heaven's Feel because, like, it does stuff like this where it highlights that, yeah, Shiro is at, like, a self-contradictory place that is guaranteed to break eventually.
1: Yeah. Um. So a- after Shiro internalizes this, uh, whichever choice you make, um, Kuzuki and Archer uh, swing at each other. Uh, because Kuzuki is no longer empowered by Caster, Archer easily kills him in a single blow. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Caster and Kuzuki defeated, Saber's bonds are released. Shiro runs towards, t- towards her to greet her, but she tackles him to the side. He soon understands why several swords clatter uselessly to the ground archer shot them from behind shiro in an attempt to kill him archer is no longer under control of any master and he is now free to do what he wants rin tries to run to shiro's aid but archer traps her in a circular sword prison archer reveals the only reason he sided with castor was to nullify rin's command spells Uh, archer tells saber he should have never become a hero and warns her not to interfere lest she disappear immediately. Saber refuses. Even if she's no longer a master, Saber swore to protect him, and he placed his trust in her despite knowing nothing about the Grail War. However, Saber has no magical energy left. After a few blows, she's already beaten and Archer prepares to finish her off. Shiro blocks him, telling him to fight the right opponent. Shiro's at his own limit too, and it isn't long before he's facing death at the hands of Archer. Thankfully, Rin has one last trick of her sleeve, and it rocks. Uh, She shouts, I announce, thy body shall be under my command. My fate shall be determined by thy sword. Follow the call of the Holy Grail. If thou wouldst obey this mind and this reason, obey me. Then I shall entrust my fate to your sword. She reaches out towards Saber. Saber runs to her and completes the ritual. I I will accept your oath under the name of Saber. I shall accept you as my master, Rin, quote. Uh, with a new contract made and her full powers restored, Rin, uh, Win, uh, Wind rushes violently around Saber. Archer was planning on this happening, but not before he could kill Shiro. Saber reiterates that even though Rin is her master now, her oath to Shiro remains intact. Should Archer try to kill Shiro, she will stop him. Archer attacks Saber, but it's not even a close fight at this point. Saber is easily pushing him back. She asks him what he thinks he can do with no master to supply him magical energy. He says he has enough to last for two days, plenty of time to kill Shiro. She asks why he would want such a thing. Even if he succeeds, he himself will not be saved. Uh, Archer Archer asks Saber how long she'll hold on to her own foolish wish. This distracts Saber enough for Archer to kick her away and gain some distance he casts his true noble phantasm, unlimited blade works. All four of them are pulled into a reality marble, an endless field of swords and giant gears suspended in the sky. Archer reveals that this reality marble was his only noble phantasm all along. He can reproduce and store any weapon that he sees the original of. This means Saber cannot use her own hol- her own holy sword here. Archer would simply copy it use it himself and everyone except for maybe shiro would die archer unleashes a volley of swords at saber who intends to block them with her sword and body however shiro intercepts and uses his own projections to block the attacks uh with uh, that one blow gone the reality marble dissipates uh and with his trump card expended archer knocks rin unconscious and takes her hostage He claims it's for an exchange, but let's be honest here. It's he's taking her hostage, uh, so he can escape and force Shiro to face him alone. Uh, Shiro tells Archer he'll meet him in the forest. where Ilya's castle is located. He warns Archer that if he does anything to Rin, he'll be sure to kill him with Saber. Uh, Archer agrees to keep her safe for one day. He leaves. Then Saber begins carrying Shiro to his house to recover, ignoring Shiro's protests. Uh, Do you have anything you want to say about this?
0: No, it's, like, pretty straightforward. It's setting up the next scene.
1: Yep. Uh, As they leave the church, Lancer greets them. Saber tenses up, but Shiro clarifies that he actually helped them. Saber asks if he's conspiring. (laughs) Lancer says, of course he's plotting something.
0: (laughs) Also, uh, Shiro... er, er, Or... not Saber. Lancer is the least conspiring motherfucker on the planet. It's so funny. <laughs> My man wants to run straight forward at you and hit you with a stick. That's his whole plan.
1: Yeah. Uh, sensing something's amiss, he asks how he asks how everything went. Saber explains Archer's motives and his kidnapping of Rin. This seems to really piss off Lancer. He tells Saber he was initially only going to cooperate until Castor was, be- was dead, but he's changed his mind. He requests that they help him a bit longer for his own peace of mind. Saber is baffled, but she doesn't object. Um He we cut to an interlude of Rin thinking back on Archer's dreams, now realizing that Archer is Shiro from the future. Um there's a lot that's repeated here about like ah uh, Deeds uh he's walking towards his own betrayal, blah, blah blah We've got like Yeah we had like ten of these things before.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's pretty straightforward. Like, yeah, man, we know you're going to charge straight first into there. What yeah. a surprise.
1: Uh, so most of this is just a repeat of stuff we've gotten before. But uh, this time, though, Rin explains that she wanted to believe in her own path like he used to as a way of repaying him and helping him realize his life was something he could be proud of. Uh, she wakes up with her hands be- uh, hands behind a chair restrained with handcuffs. Her legs are shackled, too, and all the restraints are resistant to magic. She's in a cold, ruined building made of stone. It's about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, Archer is sitting on a pile of rubble in front of her. She asks if he intends to kill Shiro. He says a soft person like that should die. Rin agrees he's soft, but, quote, I love that soft part of him. He should be like that. I'm saved by a guy like him. Uh, sorry, I'm saved by having a guy like him, end quote. Uh,
0: she... so i, I do want to say something sure. about that specifically um like a it's the first direct uh admission we have from rin that she loves him um and b she's saying as much to a dude she knows is him
1: yeah like,
0: and so a that she is basically directly admitting her feelings to him and also like admonishing archer for failing to continue to be like that. yeah
1: like i liked you better when you weren't this
0: <laughs> yeah like specifically the part that made you that you hate that you're seeking to kill right now is the part that made me love you like that's what we're you're losing by abandoning this
1: yeah uh she then asked if his experience as a guardian made him disgusted with humans Uh, Before he can answer, we cut to Shiro dreaming about his dad. His dad once told him that he could not save everyone. He can only save the people he sided with. As a child, he resisted those words and wanted to believe they weren't true. He now acknowledges that his father and Rin were probably right, but he's determined to still hold to his beliefs. He will deny his future self as long as his present self exists. Um... He wakes up to see Saber watching over him. He tells Saber he's going to face Archer and that she should let things play out no matter what happens to him. She She agrees to respect his wish and they both head out to the forest. As they leave his house, they run into Lancer. He explains he won't be butting into Shiro's fight with Archer, nor does he intend to fight Saber or Rin. Instead, he wants to sell Rin some favors so she'll be indebted to him. I, sure I love the Lancer help, but so much! He's such a great... like He's such a
0: jackass.
1: Yeah, like, we know from the previous day that Lancer is just really mad that Archer would do that to someone like Rin because Lancer kind of does like Rin, like, legitimately. Uh, but he's I, got... So
0: it's not just that, like, he doesn't... Or he likes Rin, it's, like, also that is offensive to his sensibilities as a person and as a hero.
1: Yeah, like Lan- Lancer Lancer and Saber are like the two people here who have a specific like honor code basically.
0: They're heroes. They yeah. they are literally heroes made manifest.
1: Yeah. Um they they're not like um sort of these uh twisted entities like Caster and Rider. Uh they aren't like a sort of weird in between hero like Archer is uh they haven't lost their senses like Berserker has uh they're not a fucking weird scenario like Gilgamesh like they're just straight up hero ass heroes <laughs> um and the fact that uh Archer would take a uh wonderful human being like uh, Rin hostage like Lancer can just not abide that uh, but he still, want- he still wants to like maintain his sort of uh uh I, I, what do you call it? Um, maintain his facade, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh. So, um, Shiro uh, Saber has uh, misgivings about this. Uh, Shiro reassures her that while Lancer may be a dirtbag, he's not the tricky sort. <laughs> uh, if he, yeah, uh-huh. if he wanted to fight, he'd just come at them head on. Which Shiro is a hundred percent right about that. <laughs> Uh, Lancer thanks Shiro for being more mature than the stubborn Saber. Offended by this, Saber argues that Shiro, in fact, is the stubborn one, Stubborn one, and that Lancer has no idea what she's been through. Lancer encourages her to regale him with stories on their way to the castle, which simply irritates Saber even more. <laughs> uh. And that's where day 14 ends, with, labor, with, with Lancer trolling the shit out of Saber.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. So for all of our misgivings about where Unlimited Blade Works is going to end up for Shiro, I these are maybe some of the strongest days we've had in a bit.
1: Yeah, like there's there's so much like good writing on like both ends of the emotional spectrum. Just like some very funny shit with Lancer, <laughs> like legitimately hilarious. What's that? Uh, NASA's
0: also, like, doing things. There is a momentum to the story right now that yeah. kind of was missing in some of the earlier stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I, I think Unlimited Blade Works, like, like it kind of makes sense with Fate Stay Night, um, but Unlimited Blade Works really struggles to hit the ground running. And you have just, like, four or five days where it's like, yeah, man, I know this is how this is going to break. Like it, it feels like Castor should have kidnapped Saber halfway through, and like that should have been the impetus for a longer tale, instead of it being resolved in uh, twenty minutes of reading.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I it certainly would have been more fun if, if Castor's plan had gone off sooner. Um, we might have got we might have actually gotten some mind break saber <laughs> in that case.
0: I mean I, not even in like in that context, <laughs> just that I think like I think, like, some speed and momentum to this plot would have helped push things a little bit. Yeah. Um, because, like, a lot of Unlimited Blade Works is kind of, to me at least, felt like it was kind of treading water. Um, especially with Shiro's development. Um, a lot of it felt like reiteration from Fate. Yeah. And uh, a bit of expanding on that. Especially with, like, like,
1: the dream sequences.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, like, at first I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. It's going to expand from there. Um, and then it just kind of was like, okay, but now now we, now we can add, you know, it, uh, put more on top of it, you know, sy- sy- synthesis, synthesize. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like these chapters a lot.
1: Yeah, these, uh, you know, despite like uh, a few of our quibbles with it, um, uh, mostly with like the, some of the caster stuff uh, at the beginning, uh, these were, these were great. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. this set of days. Uh, Same. And then next time we finish Unlimited Blade Works.
0: Fuck, man, we do.
1: Yeah, we we get we also get the next <laughs> the next arrow gay scene. <laughs> it's been so long.
0: Why has it got to put them in here, man? Just for me to be disappointed.
1: <laughs> um. But yeah, so there's two more days to go, Uh, then Unlimited Blade Works is done, next episode, and then we get to start Heaven's Feel and find out where all this is heading to.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I feel a little bad for Heaven's Feel because it has so much weight on its back, but like, thinking of it as more just like, yeah man, it's the back half of the novel, that you... You better fucking land the landing of the back half of your novel, otherwise your book's bad.
1: Yeah, uh uh-huh. Like, there's... I mean, there's a reason why a bad ending can sour people on, like, the whole story.
0: Yeah, there's a reason why I don't tend to read manga without endings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's why I hate reading fucking fantasy novels that are three books in, and not just because that means I'll be on the hook for the next fourteen years. Like goddamn Brandon. Sanderson I was going to say, aren't me.
1: you a Brandon Sanderson fan?
0: Yeah. I, okay. No, but there is an important distinction with Brandon <laughs> Sanderson. That motherfucker writes faster than fucking Stephen King. Oh. My okay. man churns out fucking twenty-two books in like fourteen years, all of which are the size of fucking grimoires. Good lord. And then it's like. You know, I was a little under the pace I was hoping for, so I should really, you know, uh, focus down, stop doing so much other side stuff like writing like eight different uh, uh, comic books and you know other supplementary materials, and just really focus on my books and my writing because I I feel like it's stronger when I do that. And I'm like, Brandon, my man, do you need to like take a holiday, breathe, <laughs> homie?
1: Uh, so I, I had I before before we. And this, I do have a a very funny, uh, thing to say about um, Brandon Sanderson related,
0: which is uh, yeah. So,
1: you and multiple friends I know uh, talk about Way of Kings on Twitter so often. The Stormlight Archives. Uh huh. Uh, and so like, I was uh, when I was on vacation in Minnesota, I was like, oh, there's a there's like a local bookstore like uh independent bookstore i really like um i'll, I'll take a look in there maybe they oh, which one? Oh uh, gosh it's uh, up, was it in the cities or uh, was it it's, somewhere it's else? it's up in park rapids i think it's called like oh, okay. um, the beagle and uh yeah i, I can't yeah, remember, I, I can't remember the full beagle and wolf books and bindery up in park rapids yeah.
0: um, gotcha okay yeah if it was if it was in the cities there was like a 30% chance that I know somebody who works at one of
1: them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a little bookstore that I really like. Um, and I often oh. pretty much go there every time I stop by park rapids. Um, and I was like, you yeah, know, maybe they, maybe they have way of Kings. Maybe y'all like buy it from them to support, you know, a local bookstore. I, I, I like, uh, and then I saw the size of the book. <laughs> Cause they did have it.
0: Honey, uh, that's the small one. Excuse me? <laughs> yes. Way of Kings let me just pull up uh page length. Cause Wait. that that thing is like <laughs> Way of Kings it's, is breezy. It's enormous. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Way of Kings is a thousand and seven pages. Uh let me pull up Oathbringer, which I believe is the longest of the four so far. Let's see. Uh Oathbringer is twelve forty eight. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oathbringer's 1248. Uh, Rhythm of War is 1232. Um, so the thing about them is Brandon has even, like, explicitly said, yeah, the way he tends to write these is they're actually three books in one, and they're kind of just bound together.
1: Oh, okay. So, all right, so all the Mistborn books are actual normal book size, and all the Stormlight yes. Archive uh, books are, like, the, <laughs> absurd. The
0: Stormlight Archive books are, like, if they're... if the entire original Mistborn trilogy was each its own book.
1: <laughs> uh, so what I did instead is like, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just get that on Kindle. And I bought a couple different books from
0: that bookstore instead. Um. So what I would say, actually, <laughs> that, that is my
1: Stormlight archive story.
0: Reading it on Kindle is absolutely fine, especially until you figure out if you like it. If you do like it, they are some of the few books where i'm like getting them in physical print is absolutely worth it because most chapters have a uh have uh, one of the characters is like a natural historian and so there's like literally pages out of her natural historian uh log full of like sketches and uh uh, drawings of the creatures that live in this world like all sorts of things like that all throughout like just significant illustrations all throughout the entire book that are like genuinely lovely to see off of a screen and on a page huh interesting um, it, it's why I have uh, the, I have barely any physical books anymore um, and I definitely don't have any hardcovers and I have all four of them as hardcovers oh wow mm-hmm. yeah they. they uh, I like having those illustrations available in person that much
1: good god this man is written so much
0: yes look at his bibliography
1: uh-huh. right now jesus C- Christ. correct
0: do, do you see why i'm like you know it's fine Brandon, i'll get on the hook for you uh it, it's because yeah i know my motherfucker uh, will he, finish that he's shit.
1: even continuing the wheel of time series
0: he's the one who finished it <laughs> this bitch writes so much that he finishes other people's unfinished shit <laughs> Let me see uh, i'm kind of World, curious
1: if his wheel of time books are like actually better than
0: they are yeah i, I, I read the whole wheel of times series. they are better
1: okay because like i read the first I, book in wheel of time and i was like this is fine i guess but also it reads like someone's lord of the rings fan fiction
0: i don't think uh, um <laughs>
1: well it in way more blatantly that than like a lot of western fans see is just that lord of the rings fan fiction
0: yeah, I I don't think Robert Jordan's prose is particularly strong, uh, frankly, and I think um, yeah I Sanderson's is much better. I, I, um, it carries all of the weird like gender baggage that is kind of fundamental to Wheel of Time by that point. Yeah, because you can't undo that. But I I think the writing is uh, just generally much better, and the character work is generally better.
1: That's good to know. Not going to bother with Wheel of Time to find don't. out myself, but literally it's good don't. To know
0: there are there's other it, literally i'm like man that time feels kind of like a waste Gl- of time.
1: glad for the fans at least
0: <laughs> don't be fuck them anybody who's like "Wheel love time is my favorite book series my response is
1: <laughs> read another book
0: find better books <laughs> yeah. or or like i don't want to hang out with you
1: oh god anyway enough of book chat i guess uh this has been uh, yet another episode of Saber Metrics, a.k.a. I got sucked off by Historic King Arthur, a.k.a. I, I want to suck off the Historic Kakulan, I guess.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I fucking salute you in your quest.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, we'll see you next time at the end of Unlimited Plateworks. Uh, and as a reminder... People die when they are killed
0: Fuck you I'm hanging off